As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson from Bank America Stadium. Matt Fortuna, back home in Chicago. Um, it was, uh, as we were talking right before we hit record, it was such a needle that was threaded between you're comfortably in or you're definitely out. Notre Dame left it hanging as probably they're still in, but, man, tonight was tonight was bad. We can talk about whether they're going to make it or not, um, but I also think we should spend some time talking about whether Notre Dame has the chops to do anything if they do make it, which is, um, I think, after tonight, uh, a pretty important question that Notre Dame is going to have to answer at some point. Yeah, when we did this six weeks ago, November 7th, after Notre Dame outlasted Clemson double overtime, I don't know if we were recording or not when you started the Zoom by saying, holy bleep, what just happened? <laughs> and I have a similar reaction for the complete opposite reason after just watching this game unfold um, in Charlotte. It's it was the worst case scenario if you're Notre Dame. I mean, it's we a lot of us treated it as a foregone conclusion that they will be in the playoff tomorrow, regardless of what happens. Um, I would not call it a foregone conclusion. Although I, I will state my case later for why I think they are and should be in. Uh, but it was it was the worst thing you could you could hope for if you're Notre Dame. I mean, it was just it was terrible. It was it was the 2018 game all over again, right yep. down to the second quarter. Um, and you know, as, as, as defenseless as they looked in the secondary, uh, that offense couldn't do a damn thing. And and that didn't really change beyond the first two or three drives of the game. And you know, when when that happens, I mean, you're in the building, you just feel it. I mean, it's 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 not what's going to happen. It's how bad is this going to get. Yep. And are they ever going to let their foot off the gas? And Clemson really didn't. Um, oh, yeah. I, th- I, I think that Chris Tyree touchdown is, is freaking huge, by the way. What a crazy world we live in that the difference between making the playoff and not is a cosmetic touchdown scored by your number two running back in the fourth quarter after you've allowed 34 consecutive points. Yep. I mean, 34-10 sounds a lot better than 34-3. And if we're going to play yep. this game, which everyone will and will be for the next 16 hours – Texas A&M's one loss was by 28 points. Notre Dame's was by 24. I mean, I, I hate that we're, like, having this serious conversation about which is the more impressive loss, loss but, I mean, 
that, that, that's the spot Notre Dame left us in after tonight. It, it just wasn't a pretty performance. No, no. It's I mean, there's, there's not a lot Notre Dame. I, it's like Notre Dame sort of lost the ability to make an argument for itself in the playoff with like without some serious eye rolling after they do it. Um, I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be in either. I'm just saying that Notre Dame really ceded the benefit of the doubt tonight about whether they are one of the four best teams in the country or not. Um, they may be because, like, four teams have to make it. Um, and there's two great teams, and then there's Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Ohio State. And two of those teams are going to make it, and one of them's not. You know, before tonight's game, I would have said there's one great team in the country. I mean, I thought Alabama was just going to smoke whoever they played, probably. I, know, I didn't think Notre Dame would uh, – I, I, I didn't think Notre Dame would, would you know get run off the floor the field like they kind of did tonight, but mm-hmm. you know I just did, I thought it would be such a tall order for Notre Dame, Clemson, whomever, to beat that Alabama team is you know by the time this podcast is done recording we'll probably already be up three touchdowns on Florida and we'll eliminate any drama with that one. Um, after tonight, you, you give Clemson a chance. I think you give any team that's Trevor Lawrence as its quarterback yep. a chance to go all the way. He's that damn good, and. I, you know, maybe we have egg on our face for saying that, you know, the, the defensive personnel losses were, were bigger for Clemson. And, look, those were huge, and I think we saw by the way Notre Dame could move the ball that night and the way they couldn't move the ball tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no minimizing that, but holy crap, Trevor Lawrence is just a different animal. I mean, he's unbelievable. I mean, I, I, I don't know how really to describe him beyond that. Yeah, it's not, it's not just the skill set, which is obviously great, but the fact that he could pick out exactly where and how to hurt Notre Dame in the secondary, like anytime Sean Crawford got matched up with Amari Rogers one on one, he was he knew it. He was going there. Um, you know, and then in the run game, you know, there was I think I totaled it up, I think it was a three hundred forty seven three hundred forty nine yard swing in terms of Notre Dame's rushing advantage in game one and Clemson's rushing advantage in game two and you know, so much of that was down to Trevor Lawrence. Um, and so I I guess as we sort of pick apart this game, I'm curious how you feel about this because I, I feel like Notre Dame's defense got exposed at the back end tonight. Um, that's that's who Notre Dame is at the back. They've been really holding it together nicely all year, but this is not an overly talented secondary. You've got an All-American safety uh, and a good corner and then just some guys and some weaknesses. Um so maybe that didn't shock me a lot, but Notre Dame's offensive line, I don't know what to make of that performance. To me, that that is by far the biggest concern, even though it, it you know, was it a one-off? Is it the start of a trend? I don't know, because in some ways, I feel like the answer is trend because the defensive lines you're going to be playing from here on out if you're in the playoff are all going to look a lot like Clemson's, and Notre Dame just got absolutely run over tonight. Yeah, I mean, Travis Etienne had 98 rushing yards at halftime tonight. He had 28 rushing yards for the game, including two overtimes the last yeah. time out against Notre Dame. Uh, that was completely different. I'm with you. I mean, that secondary was was uh, far greater than the sum of its parts all year. Got exposed tonight and lost its best player for a good chunk of that as well, which didn't hurt. Or excuse me, which didn't help, but don't think would have made much of a difference, frankly. Um, the offensive line was the, the eye-opening part. I mean, we we become the O-line U podcast for a reason. I mean, this has been. <laughs> Arguably the best offensive line in the country. Um, they've been awesome against everyone they've played, including Clemson the first time around. And 
Tonight they weren't. I don't know if it's as simple as having a different center in there and then Jared Patterson making that big of a difference. I don't know if it's as simple as Brent Venables having a, a, a healthier defense um, th- than he had the last time around to play with. As Florida goes to tie up Alabama here, might just end this conversation here because I think Florida gets in if they beat Alabama. Um, but I just – it's interesting because I, you, know, you could tell from the game plan and Ian Book had a very – uh, that was one of the better press conferences I think I've seen for, for me and Book all year. It was just very candid uh, about, you know, the ups and downs, you know, what I can tell you about what happened, what I can't because I haven't looked at the film yet and I don't want to, you know, lie to you or, or mislead you. Uh, but it was clear to anyone watching, especially to him, like, you know, they did not want him to escape the pocket and get to the outside and make plays on the run and make plays with his legs where he is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know how much of that is – the offensive line getting exposed versus the receivers not getting open or any separation whatsoever. And Ian Book, you know, just running out of time, so to speak, because you have the best offensive line in the world. Um, you've got to eventually make something happen, whether it's the guy throwing the ball or the guy trying to catch the ball. And there was just nothing there for Notre Dame. I wouldn't say all night. I would say this. First couple drives of this game, I mean, Notre Dame left a lot of points on the board, and yep. they moved the ball – in a way that I thought, you know, even when they're down 14-3, like, all right, this is going to be a good game. Like, I did not – as much as I internally compared this to the 2018 game, um, at no point, even with Julian Love in there, did I think Notre Dame had a real chance to win that game. Obviously, they had no chance once he went out. Right. But I, I did not think they were going to, you know, even hang with Clemson that night. Um, I, I thought through a quarter, quarter and a half, this this was going to be a really good game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence made some tremendous plays and one not so great one early that got intercepted. But uh, you got to you got to take advantage when you're in the red zone. You need touchdowns, not field goals. You need to hit the short field goals that you do kick, and you need to make a better pass on fourth and three to Avery Davis. But um, when you're marching down to the red zone right. as well, I mean, um, it was going to take a perfect game tonight to even have a chance. And um, you know, it was very evident early on that 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 was not in the cards for Notre Dame tonight. Yeah, I mean, I agree with your flow comment because when I, as the first quarter was going, I mean, Notre Dame was moving the ball with right. some with some success. I think they averaged about seven yards per play in the first quarter. You know, it it took a lot of work. Um, it wasn't like they were just running on mm-hmm. them. So it, it felt, I don't want to like fussy isn't the right word, but it, it just felt like Notre Dame had to work really hard to move the ball. But they were working really hard and moving the ball. And then when you see Clemson move the ball really with ease after especially after door misses that field goal you're you're kind of like all right it felt to me it felt like a, a 10 point loss was coming right. for Notre Dame yeah I didn't I didn't see the defense just caving yes I mean I didn't um, think it would be that easy for Clemson offensively no and it is 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 strange and unique like Clemson scored 33 points in regulation the first time around but it, sh- it sure as hell didn't feel like a one-point difference uh, from from now to then. Um, yeah, I just thought really, you know, we gave Reese, Tommy Reese, and Clark Lee a ton of credit after the after game one in terms of how they managed that game, breaking tendencies, new formations, when to get aggressive, personnel use, scheme, all that stuff. Uh, Brett Venables and Tony Elliott really stomped on. Reese and Lee tonight I mean it was that was that was a mismatch in the game in terms of what they were trying to do and you know it's interesting to hear Jeremiah Usu-Kormo after the game when I asked mm-hmm. him about what Clemson did I, I basically asked him can you explain the pressure Trevor Lawrence puts on your run defense um, 
And in a kind of in an insightful answer, I thought like he talked about how what Clemson runs is really not that complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what is unsaid is they have really damn good players all over the place. Like who the hell is EJ Williams? Like what was the, what was <laughs> right, that? I'm glad catch? you asked it. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you asked it because I was gonna. <laughs> okay, I mean did... it's like, but guys like that are just like oh we'll just. Just throw this six foot three Gumby receiver out there and make a ridiculous one headed catch. And, and the the thirty three yarder before that for a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, we've talked all year, and I don't think I mean it's not just us. This is everyone. It's the people who play them, the people who scout them. This is the worst set of Clemson receivers we can remember, <laughs> and they're still unfreaking believable. I mean, yeah. And not only that, this is the worst Clemson D line we've probably seen in a while, and the alleged best offensive line in the country didn't have a chance against them tonight. So, yeah, that, that's – there are two separate conversations to have here. There, there's the micro, which is are they in the playoff or not, and we're all going to sweat about that one until we finally get an answer tomorrow. The macro is after tonight, I mean, it, 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 the vibe I, – I know we're all prisoners of the moment, but, you know, we, we talked to a lot of the same people. We know this fan base really well. There's that deja vu all over again feeling of – yeah. Oh, what's the difference? If we play Alabama or Clemson again, we just saw what's going to happen. And I don't have a good comeback for that one after what I saw tonight. Um, no. Worse off, I think, if you can't beat this damn Clemson team, or, or if you can't hang with them for a second game, I mean, it ain't getting easier next year with no Ian Book, no, no, you know, without that offensive line. Um, like, this is the year to get Clemson. Like, yeah. They're, they're, this this is not one of Dabo Swinney's better teams of the last six. I know that sounds absurd to say because they might win it all this year, but they're not. Um, they don't have Justin Ross. They don't have a good offensive line. They don't have a really good offensive line. They have good receivers, but nothing like what they've had in the past. And, you know, they'll never replicate what they had in 2018 on that defensive line. It's just um, it's a damn good program. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I think we need to take a step back and reevaluate a lot of the conversations we were having about the – the, the way we've Notre Dame maybe try to mirror itself after them because you know when you look at the the final tally over the last five six years now three games of one Clemson the one win being Notre Dame at home in double overtime without a lot of guys on Clemson uh, yeah you'll get one every now and then um, but this was the year to, to get that one and hope you don't, yeah. don't got to play them again and, and you know I don't know what else to say about that for Notre Dame because ain't getting yeah yeah unfortunately we never get to find out what Notre Dame would have done with that ACC conference championship trophy maybe brian so. kelly gets acc coach of the year although i don't think he made any new friends um with his friday press conference <laughs> which turned into perfect internet fodder uh, yeah really who, which i mean it's like I, brian kelly doesn't need us to defend him but i just i find that uh, internet fodder to be completely ridiculous um as if as if his rose bowl comments had anything to do with like how they played today or you know the, the snarky like well i guess you won't be going to the rose bowl anyway um Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So. I get why it's a big deal. I mean, it was very... It was a big deal. Like, I, I get that, too. You don't hear... I mean, I, what was I watching? I was watching a Pac-12 title game last night on Fox, and they go into the local news, and the second top story was 
And Notre Dame's coach threatening to boycott the play like on the news, yeah. local news. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's a big deal because people don't speak their minds in college football ever. Right. Let alone people usually affiliated with a brand as big as Notre Dame. And like I, I, we talked about, Brian Kelly knew exactly what he was doing there. I mean, everyone's been saying oh, what he's been oh, saying yeah. privately, including his athletic director. Uh, you don't think he just came up with uh, worshiping at the ashes of tradition, like just just popped into his head? You no, don't think he, that's he, how that worked He's probably out? heard that one about his own school for a while. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the Notre Dame-Rose Bowl rivalry is like the, the Hall of Fame of who's your daddy rivalries. Um, yeah. But he knew exactly what he's doing. The, the problem is the national conversation and, you know, Notre Dame and Clemson are partly brave. The national conversation is why can't mom and dad be there when the national – it should be why are we flying – a thousand plus miles to the biggest hotspot in the world right now that doesn't have a single ICU bed to play a game where there's no home team right. and no one's allowed to go. Uh, but I don't think we'll have to worry about that one um, as far as the Rose Bowl goes. Uh, this, you know, this popped into me, my head during the game. You know, I can't remember really the last time we saw a, a rematch in the same season of teams ranked so highly. Um, other than LSU Alabama in 2011, and this reminded me a little bit of that, where LSU yeah. wins on the road in overtime, nine to six, I think. And uh, you know, th- there's the talk going into that national title game. Uh, does Bama deserve a second chance? And if they win, should they be co-champions? And Bama beat them so damn bad, and really set that LSU program back for so long that it didn't even matter. And I, I don't think those parallels are accurate here, but. Uh, they remind me of that in the sense of like, all right, we know we know who the better team is here. Like, I don't think right. we could really have a fair debate about that right now between Clemson and Notre Dame. I think that was what was so disappointing from a Notre Dame perspective. Is like, I kind of I thought that they had matured out of showing up in these kinds of games and it being obvious who was better. Like, clearly Clemson had better players. Like, that's fine, but I didn't think that Notre Dame was going to be walking into another game. And even some of the close games that they had lost, like, you know, the Florida State game or the Georgia games, like, clearly, like, Notre Dame was the lesser team just athletically um, that, you know, that through great game planning and, you know, some big plays, they, they hung in those games even if they lost. Like, but I kind of thought we were done with the, like, Notre Dame doesn't match up story with with this team in particular, like because of the things you mentioned earlier like if you can't get this defensive line with that offensive line you know if you can't um slow down that offense which is you know look it's got senior Travis Etienne junior Trevor Lawrence like Amari Rogers is a stud too like it's got some big time weapons more than what Notre Dame brings to the table but I don't know I was just I think that's got to be a really disheartening realization for Notre Dame it's like not back to the drawing board and Brian Kelly pushed back at the notion. He got a question about like picking up the pieces, like, and, and that's not really what tonight is about, but it is sort of like from a program building standpoint, I think this was a, this was a pretty big glass of cold water that got thrown in Notre Dame's face tonight. Cause they're there. It just doesn't feel like they're as close as what we thought they were um, on November 7th. No. And that's, <laughs> That's the argument from the people who say they don't belong, right, is we know they don't belong. Now, again, I would personally make that argument against probably every team in the country not named Alabama and Clemson this year. Uh, yeah. Because I, I, we saw what happened when A&M played uh, Alabama. And if anyone wants to tell me Ohio State's rolling right now, um, you haven't watched them play, Oof. at least today. Uh, and I say that well aware that they're down 22 players um, and that Justin Fields like basically had a right hand that was useless, which is not um, – 
ideal when you're a right-handed quarterback, and they might not get all those guys back due to the Big Ten's um, 21-day rule uh, mm-hmm. for ISO, or for, for games missing if you test positive. But um, I just don't – I mean, I'll make my case now. I'll hear yours. I mean, I, I would preface this by saying – and I think this is clear to anyone who's been paying attention, whether they want to hear it or not. And we, we learned this week that a lot of people haven't been paying attention. The committee is going to do whatever the hell they want to do. And they are going to justify it with confirmation bias after yep. by saying they beat this team, this team, this team, this team, because we said they're this highly ranked. They're like, do not like try to apply too much logic or reason, especially mid-season ones, which are not, for nothing more than a TV show to guess talking and do a great job at that. Um, but at the end of the day, like the rules are whatever the hell they say they are, and they justify them by however they want to justify them. That said, when you look at the numbers here, and again, I think if Florida beats Alabama, I think Florida should be in with two losses. I think they will be in with two losses. I think this conversation then turns to Notre Dame versus Ohio State. Uh, but if we're talking about Notre Dame versus Texas A&M, Texas A&M has one ranked win over number seven Florida. Notre Dame has two ranked wins over current number three, Clemson, current number 15, North Carolina on the road. A&M's one loss was by 28 to the current number one team in the country. Uh, Notre Dame's was by 24 to the current number three team in the country, who they had also already beaten. Here's the part that really shocked me. A&M's only being two teams with winning records, and the SEC has just four ranked teams right now. Notre Dame is beating four teams with winning records and two more teams that finished 500. And the ACC has five ranked teams the SEC is now. And that last part, the ranked teams part, um, will probably be uh, messed around with tomorrow, again, to justify the logic that the committee wants to put in there. But right now, that's what it is. So I'm repeating it. Um, I just don't – I mean, here's the thing. We, We come back to 2014 Ohio State, which lost a really bad game to a like 500 Virginia Tech team or something at home by 14 in week two and ended up getting in over two other teams and winning it all. Um, I firmly believe, uh, especially in a year like this one, teams can get much better or much worse throughout the course of the season, and that needs to be taken into account. Not the whole picture, but some of the picture. Um, I just don't know if I've seen enough from Texas A&M to really say, like, that's the case here. If they get at number four, I don't know if they give Alabama a better game than they gave them the first time around, which was number 28, which which was a loss right. by 28, which with Notre Dame, I know they probably wouldn't be playing Clemson, but if they get in, I mean, it's something new. They went one and one against Clemson. I've been saying all year, much to the chagrin of pretty much everyone listening to this podcast, Notre Dame has, gets absolutely nothing out of being in a conference championship game this year when they're already undefeated. Because <laughs> you the only nailed thing, that one. The only thing that can happen is – opening up minds to the fact that you might not belong there, which is exactly what happened tonight. Um, but if you look at the numbers and what's happened on the field, I mean, I don't – I have a very hard time justifying Texas A&M getting in over Notre Dame um, unless you are absolutely convinced that Notre Dame doesn't belong, which I could only get behind if you could give me a, a very good alternative, and I don't see that in Texas A&M right now. I, I agree with everything you said. Um I think that when you, I mean, when you lay it out that way, it's it's amazing that what may get Notre Dame in is the fact that North Carolina blew out Miami. Like that might be the the ultimate. Like, well, this so, something has to break what appears to be a bit of a tie, and why not have that be it? Because I don't is North Carolina 
Like Notre Dame's win over Clemson is better than A&M's win over Florida. Clearly, yes. Um, would you say like are their losses about the same? Probably, I guess. But Notre Dame avenged—not avenged, but you know, yeah. has beaten that team before. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like so. The losses are the same. Notre Dame has the best win. I think Notre Dame also has the second best win in yes. beating North Carolina. So that's my point with that. It's like, and not by the way, not just beating North Carolina, beating them, beating the crap out of them on the road and doing to them what no one has done in the entire Mac Brown era. Like, yeah. the way they beat them should matter in that too. The Mac Brown era of two years. Yeah, but well, yeah, it's. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was. I don't think we've seen A and M play a game where at the end of it you're like, damn. That is a good team. Like even when they beat Florida, I don't like one that was a really long time ago. But I'm not sure I came away from that game thinking like, wow, this this is a team to be reckoned with. It felt like kind of fluky and lucky at the time to me. Um, so I don't. I have a very difficult time hearing an argument for A and M over Notre Dame. I mean, you could argue that Notre Dame should be in over Ohio State I, um, based on the fact that Ohio State only played six games and. Ian Book made a really yes. good argument for that. He even sm- um, he smiled when that question got asked because you like yeah. and that's to me is the telling thing. Like who knows better than the guys who were out there every week? Right. It was about time we heard that from a player, yes. right? Because I feel like coaches are always making the games argument, and it's the players who should be making the. It's here's why it's harder to play eleven games than six. Um, so yeah, I don't. I I'm with Book. It's like. As the game was happening here, I think when it got to thirty-four to three, I was like, uh, "I think Notre Dame might be out." Um, <laughs> I don't want to sit here and say that Chris Tyree's touchdown changed my mind, but maybe it's like as this game has receded from my mind just a little bit as I stare down on the field, um, that Notre Dame has a better case than maybe I thought midway through the third quarter. Um, that they they are truly deserving to still be in there I, they i still believe that they've sort of seeded um so much ground in their ability to make the case for that tonight but at the end if you got to pick two of those three teams i feel like notre dame should be one of those one of those two teams that make it um with probably with ohio state but after alabama and clemson it's you know we're down to three teams for two spots I think Ohio State gets in because of the unknown, the unknown factor. We haven't seen them take one on the chin the way we have A&M and Notre Dame. And yeah. I know that's due in large part to the fact they've had half as many opportunities to take one on the chin. But um, that that's a visual that's hard to erase from the minds of the committee when we're talking about yeah. Texas A&M and Notre Dame. I would add uh, LSU's win today put them at 500 for the year. So A&M actually has two teams with winning records and another win uh, against a team that finished 500, which still doesn't really do much for me. Um, yeah. I mean, 14 point win over a or on the road against a not great Mississippi State team. 11 point win over Arkansas team. That's meh. That LSU game was not pretty or fun at all. I mean, I know it was in the rain, but like there was nothing in that game that really looked all that impressive. They beat Auburn by 11. Auburn fired their coach, which tells you what you need to know about them. <laughs> um, and Tennessee might fire their coach tomorrow. Um, so I don't think winning by 21 there. Is, is anything to, to write home about. Um, now, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, again, you know, the, the committee does not care what me, you, fans, anyone thinks. I don't know if they care what they actually think. They just put out a tackling dummy every there, every week to uh, speak on their behalf and take all the, the tough questions. And when that tackling dummy is in need of a, another job down the line, like Jeff Long was in 2014, guess what? He gets an AD job at a Power 5 school. 
because that's the way this business works. It's one big um, uh, circle of people looking out for their own and each other. So wow. uh, you're I, taking I a turn don't. here for tuna. <laughs> I, I'm preparing everyone um, for the uh, for to be prepared for anything because I've been wrong on this before. Um, I did think Ohio State would get in in 2014. Uh, maybe because I was blinded by being at that game where they won 59 nothing over a top-ten Wisconsin team and the Big 12 kind of tripped themselves up yep. um, by not doing anything to help their league. Uh, but in 2017, uh, I did not think they would put a one-loss Alabama team in that spent the weekend at home and had no real wins of significance. And they put them in, and they won it all. So um, I've been wrong before. But, you know, maybe I'll be wrong tomorrow, but I, I, just, I can't personally justify A&M over Notre Dame. And I don't, I think Ohio State's a fair discussion. I think it's a very fair discussion. I mean, if you want to rule them out because they only played six games, um, I don't have a good comeback for you. Um, I think that's a fair point, especially when we're talking about teams that have played um, many more games. Now, is that Ohio State's fault? No, Uh, especially when most, two of the three games they got canceled on, canceled, were canceled by the opponent. But, um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I mean, it, it, as exciting as the playoff is, as much as we talk about it, how often do we not know who the best one or two teams are? Uh, yeah. In a situation College like football this. is kind of funky <laughs> like that. It's, I mean, there are very few sports no, no. where it's just obvious who is the best team um, or the two best teams. Like, the playoff was – sort of formed in mind with like well, there are going to be three or four great teams and by and large over the last few years there hasn't been there's usually been one great team or two great teams and they always end up and playing in the u- final they've usually been alabama or clemson last year was a, a rare exception um last year was clear lsu was the best you had no idea who would get in it for nor really who deserved to get in it for because it didn't matter and you knew clemson and ohio state were 2a and 2b and that game kind of played out that way um yep but it's just, yeah, I just don't think – I didn't think anyone had a chance against Bama before today. I give Al, uh, Clemson a chance today. I mean, that, by the, that third and ninth throw in the fourth quarter to Cornell Powell for, for 26 yards when he was under pressure, Trevor Lawrence, that is. I mean, he's he's so freaking good. I mean, I don't – I'll be curious. I think we can uh, put the Ian Book-Heisman race to rest, case yep. to rest. Um, yeah, because the the other guy won it tonight, in my opinion. Like, he, you think? So? I mean, he's been I will in my, have like to, you. You do the straw poll. Like Lawrence, no, has yeah, been, yeah. I've been riding with Lawrence for a long time, even when he wasn't playing. And I had him now, one for a while. No, yeah, he's number one for me now. Uh, he'll definitely be on my ballot. I know that much. I'll have to sit down and look at everything. I mean, if Devontae Smith goes for two hundred yards tonight. He'll have a pretty strong case. If Kyle Trask leads an upset. He'll have a pretty strong case. But um, <laughs> yeah, Devontae Smith. Already five catches for 83 yards and a touchdown in the first quarter. All so, right, so no, Pete's already maybe. backtracking on. Yeah, <laughs> we have to let that play out. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean Lawrence was spectacular. It definitely gets to the heart of I think one of the issues with Notre Dame, uh, sort of big picture is like, can you have a national championship winning team without a generational quarterback? Because all the evidence suggests that you cannot. Um, and, you know, Ian Book has had an amazing college career that hopefully has, you know, a, a college football playoff game to come. But he, you know, he, he's been amazing in Nove- November and December until tonight and really struggled tonight. But um, 
you know, Trev- when you have somebody like Trevor Lawrence, it's like you're playing with an extra man on offense. Um, and that's that's how it looked tonight uh, when with Lawrence had the ball in his hands. I think you can if you have uh, the best defense in the country. Jacob Coker's a national championship winning quarterback, you know? I mean, he's nothing yeah. special. I mean, Ma- uh, Jake, Jake Fromm should have won. Yeah. I mean, Mac Jones is a quarterback. Well, Mac, Mac Jones is really consider- – for- But, like, like, he's not a – He might win the Heisman. I mean, he no, he's not, but, I mean, he might – I mean, he's going to be a Heisman finalist regardless of what happens tonight. He's really good. Um, but, I mean, that team's kind of like that at every single position too. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tonga Viola changes everything. Um, I don't – I think Ian Buck's good enough to win. A, if Ian Buck had Clemson's defense helping him out or, you know, the Georgia defense of a couple of years ago helping him out, I think he's – good enough to win it all well i mean if you just had amari rogers and um ej williams like like that that would have made a huge difference like notre dame does not have the stacked roster that these other programs had and that that's like if you're if you don't have the elite quarterback and you don't have the stacked roster you got to have one or the other like alabama sort of has the other and clemson has the former uh notre dame unfortunately has neither they have a they have a very gutsy smart quarterback back there but you know, watching the game from the press box, there were not receivers running wide open, and that just it it was kind of one of those nights where, like, yep, Notre Dame is not quite there as a program compared to Clemson in terms of their roster depth and talent from top to bottom. No, not at all. Um, that, that was a splash of cold water to the face for Notre Dame fans tonight. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how many different ways we can say it. I don't know how much more we can break down this playoff race until uh, we get our answer. Um, all the all the major balls will have press conferences tomorrow, so we'll hear from Brian Kelly. I don't know if we'll hear from players and whether they'll vote to go or not, since apparently that's been a conversation um, they've been having in regards to uh, where they want to travel. The LA Times did put a story in the middle of the Notre Dame-Clemson game today saying that the Rose Bowl was likely going to be moved, and that's a decision that would have to be made by tomorrow anyway because that's when the matchups get announced. Yeah. Um, don't know where that would be. I would guess Dallas, but that's more of an educated guess than, than any inside knowledge. Um, but we'll see. Um, the, the conversation definitely changed around this program tonight, though, and not for the better. Um, but, you know, Game Book got asked about, how, you know, how do you wash this bad taste out of your mouth? They're going to find out in 13 hours who they're playing. It's either going to be with a chance to win a national championship or against another really good team that they can, you know, for their sake, take out all their frustrations against and finish with a 11-1 record, which would still be a pretty strong season uh, in the midst of all this uncertainty and craziness in, in 2020. Um, so they'll, they'll find out soon enough. I mean, the, the sting will be there, but it's not – it's, it's going to be redirected very, very soon. Yeah, and on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the Shamrock as we look for – we will have a bonus episode tomorrow – um, so this podcast, hopefully you enjoyed it. Pretty short shelf life on it. Uh, Matt and I will be talking about all the same stuff. This was tomorrow. this was <laughs> no, we won't. We're gonna be pre- previewing yeah. a bull, bull opponent and talking about whether they got jobbed or not. Yeah. I look at this more as therapy than anything else. Um, you guys need an outlet uh, right now, and this is this is our job right now to talk you through it because yeah. uh, you can't go out to the bar right now and, and drink this game away the way you normally can. No. You got to stay it's, inside. Yeah. And <laughs> this is a reason we need to wrap up. I think the press box will be closing in six minutes, so I got to get out All of right. here. And there's a, right. a curfew in Charlotte at 10 p.m., so I got to get home for that too. So 
Uh, until tomorrow, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to our post-game episode of The Shamrock. Thank <music> you.